Okay? Last week, we were looking at rest in a restless world. And I know a number of you were uh, unable to be here, or you're here for the first time. Uh, it's great to have you here. If you missed the talk for any reason, it's available on our podcast feed and on the website. So I encourage you to keep in touch with what God's saying over the weeks if you're unable to be here. And I finished off the talk with a verse from the Bible. It's from Psalm 127, verse 2, where it says, It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. I love that verse. And uh, I think in many ways it sums up our culture, doesn't it? It constantly striving for more as if more will satisfy, when in fact it's relationship with God that satisfies. But I think it, it can also sum up, and I said a little bit about this at the end last week, it can sum up how uh, many churches work, having slipped back and got stuck in a religious mindset. We know the Bible says that every good thing that we have comes from God, and it's by grace. It is a gift from God. We don't deserve it, but God gives it to us anyway. Justice, we get what we deserve. Mercy, we don't get what we deserve. And grace, we get the good things that we don't deserve. God is so generous and kind to us that the judgment that we deserve is turned away and instead we receive his blessing, which comes from a relationship with him. But even though we know that and we experience that, it's very easy for us because it's human nature just to slip back into the position of thinking that if we do things in a particular way, then God will bless us because of the way we do it. Or that God has to bless us because we've done our bit and so he has to do his bit. And so it's very easy to think that if we pray hard enough, you know, using this verse, uh, that if we pray uh, getting up early enough in the morning or spending a whole night or a part of a night praying, then God will respond to that and that as if we were twisting God's arm, pressuring God into answering when actually he doesn't really want to, but we know that if we do it an all-nighter, then we'll get what we want. I think that's a very distorted picture of who God is and how he responds to us, his his heart towards us is just so huge to bless us. And we can let go of these religious things. Now, there are times when God calls us to pray all night, and we shouldn't shy away from that, or for part of the night, or he may call us to get up early in order to pray or to get up during the night. But as soon as we start to think of that as a formula that will get God's attention... I think we've misunderstood God's intention and we've slipped back into legalism. Now, I'm not very good at getting up early in the morning, uh, but there was a season, in fact, there have been a couple of seasons, one in particular, when God woke me early in order to pray. I didn't have to set an alarm. He would just wake me up, um, it, I think it was about an hour and a half, two hours earlier than I would have got up otherwise. And those were some wonderful times of meeting with God. But it was just a season for that time. If I had tried to make that continue, 
by getting up early when God wasn't calling me to get up early. It would have just been good works. It would have been religion. It wouldn't have been responding to God. There would have been no grace for it. Now I wake up later in the morning and I still have wonderful times with God. God just does different things at different times. Um, and you can never put God into a box and say God always does it this way. Because as soon as we do that, he blows the box wide open and he does something completely different. Also thinking about this verse, if I have a meeting that runs late in the evening, I plan to get up later the next day in obedience to this verse. Because uh, some of the, the translations, rather than saying God gives rest, they say God gives sleep. And uh, we need to allow God to give us the sleep that he wants to give. So I don't worry about arriving at my study later the next morning. I don't have to uh, drive myself out of fear of not getting enough done. I could fill my week two, three times over with the work that is to be done through this church. But I know that God will bless me. I know that God will provide for me. And I know that he's given me enough hours every day to do all the things that he wants me to do. I can rest in his provision. At least that's what I'm trying to learn to do. Uh, it makes, I make it sound easy, maybe, but uh, I'm still learning. It's a lifelong process. But uh, what I want the, the point I want to make is that our response to God should never be legalistic. Our response to him needs to be relational, and that means listening to him and then being flexible with what, uh, how we apply what he says. Just recently, and from time to time, we look at a verse from the Bible, uh, John 5.19. Uh, we're going to look at a parallel, similar verse, uh, when Jesus says in John 8.28, a similar thing. Jesus said, I do nothing on my own, but I say only what the Father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. Once again, we see Jesus emphasizing the importance of relationship with the Father, which is seen in the way that he only did what he saw the Father doing. He only did what the Father told him to do. And if we want to be effective like Jesus, if we want to know the same peace, the same rest that Jesus had, then we need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit in the same way and uh, listen to what he's saying. Because there is a peace that is available in the middle of the storm. There is rest in the middle of the busyness and carrying a heavy load. There is certainty in the middle of all the uncertainty that we see in the world at the moment. With that as our foundation, I want to change direction slightly at this point because as a leadership team, we've been asking God regularly uh, and asking each other, what do we think God's saying? What is the Holy Spirit saying to our church today and for the months that are coming up? Many of the things that we do as a church have come from discussions like that, uh, such as the Alpha course this term and the connection group, sorry, the communities that we started a couple of years ago. God can speak to us in all sorts of different ways. The primary way is always through the Bible, and every other way has to be checked back against the Bible. The Bible is uh, the most incredible book. It's the Word of God. 
But one of the ways that God has got our attention recently is by looking at the changes that we see in our society. And sometimes the changes in society are very subtle. Sometimes they can be very fast. And because we're in the middle of it, we still don't necessarily see the, the enormity of the change that's coming. One of the trends we see in our society at the moment is that people want to be more local. They want to buy local, and uh, also they don't want to travel as far. don't know if you spotted that one or whether you feel that for yourselves. Now, even big companies like IKEA have noticed this, and are they're changing their whole model of how they operate as a business, from being big stores uh, that everybody travels to in regional stores, and they're starting to open local stores on the high street, provided the city's big enough. I'm told they're not coming to Oxford, but we'll see. And uh, you know, this, this is not just a UK thing. This is a global, certainly a European uh, thing, but it's a global trend as well. We've had a number of people move on from this church because they don't want to travel as far. They want to be able to build relationship more locally in their community. And when we started our Sunday communities, our weekend communities a few years ago, that was uh, an attempt to respond, to say, God, what do you want us to do to respond to this trend that we see in society? Uh, an attempt to hear what God's saying and to apply it. Not being dictated to by society, I don't think we should ever allow that to happen but asking God, how do we handle the change that's coming up? For the last four months, the leadership team have been asking God, is there any further response we need to make? Uh, wh what are you saying? What do we need to do? And uh, as part of the process, we went back to look in the Bible, particularly in the book of Acts, to see what did the early church look like and... Uh, you know, what's recorded there for us. And we, we noticed that, amongst other things, that um, the importance of relationship to the strengthening of our faith. And that a lot of Jesus' interaction were with people was over meals. It wasn't just in teaching settings. As part of the process, we also looked at the resources we have with the aim of doing a few things well, so that nobody gets overloaded, because that's not much fun. And the result of the discussion is that from the beginning of January, we're going to make a slight adjustment to our weekend meetings. And we're going to follow the following pattern up there. So on the first Sunday of the month, we're going first and third, we're going to have a Sunday gathering like this, a gathering from across Oxfordshire. And then on the second and fourth Sundays of the month, we're going to be in our communities. They won't necessarily all meet on a Sunday. They may be sometime during the weekend. And uh, another exciting development is that we may do more with the other vineyard church here in Oxford, Hope Vineyard. We've already done a couple of things with them and really enjoyed getting to know them. And so, for example, um, our carol singing on the 23rd of December will also be a joint event with them. Uh, Maudlin isn't available that Sunday, and so we're doing carol singing at Tap Social, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. If you've not met Josh and Katie, you'll love them. They're great people. 
Uh, it so happens that Cause to Live For, that's been happening this weekend, there have been about a dozen from our church there and some from Hope Vineyard as well, and uh, we hope that they've been getting to know each other a bit. You may have noticed that one of the constants around here is constant change. And that's always been the case. We don't want to make change for the sake of it, but it's important that we keep in step with what God is saying to us. The message that we give from the Bible stays exactly the same. But the marketplace into which we want to speak that message is constantly changing. And so we have to change. And the method that we use to bring the, me the message into the marketplace has to change. Just thinking of Alpha, um, the new DVDs that they've done for Alpha are absolutely brilliant. Completely changed the way they filmed them, uh, changed them from filming one person speaking in a meeting to much more of a magazine style. It's much more accessible. Uh, if they'd continued with the old model, it would have gradually become more and more irrelevant. And so they haven't changed what they're saying, but they've changed the method because the marketplace is changing. I have some concerns about this change because we, whenever we make a change, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, and as you've probably noticed, we will have less worship and Bible teaching in a gathered setting like this. And those are two of our highest values. Um, and so we have to look at, if God is saying this, then what does that mean? If, if we need to keep pressing the pedal of worship and of Holy Spirit ministry and teaching the Bible, then what does that look like? And so, for example, we want to strengthen worship and Bible teaching in our connection groups. There will also be, from time to time, joint connection groups, which will give us a chance to do all sorts of different things, focus on different things each time. So one might be a worship evening, another might be looking at a particular topic that we need to get our heads around, another one may be uh, a prophecy evening or something like that. There are also ideas of providing more teaching for our church through podcasts and so on, making the most of the technology that's available to us. I don't know if you've come across the hub, which is provided by Vineyard Churches. It's an amazing resource for those who want to go deeper into the Bible and uh, the original material. I worked through some of that, and it was absolutely brilliant. It's as good as you will get uh, from a theological depth. It's as good as you'll get from any theological college, but it's much more accessible. So I highly, highly recommend the hub material. There are flyers about that at the back. Talking about the Bible, let's look at it again. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27. These created things will someday be shaken and removed. Then what cannot be shaken will last. We should be grateful that we are given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And in this kingdom, we praise God by worshiping him and by showing him great honor and respect. An important thing to remember as we're looking at all these issues is that Jesus never went to church on a Sunday morning. Uh, Sunday morning meetings are a tradition that has built up over the centuries. If tradition is good, then it's good, but very often tradition has to change because as 
we know, society changes. Um, and so it's important to us that we don't put our security in meetings or what happens in the meetings. We don't put our security in those kinds of structures, but our security is in Jesus because everything will be shaken at some stage. Jesus promises that. And so we need to make sure where our security lies. I would imagine that uh, there will be all sorts of reactions uh, across the room about these changes from excitement because you like something fresh. You know, maybe like me, you're a pioneer. You're happy when things are new. Uh, for others, it'll be much more, let's, let's wait and see what happens. Let's see if it works. But if you have any questions or concerns, then please come and talk to Mandy or me about that. In John chapter 14, verse 8, Philip, who was one of Jesus' followers, said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the works you've seen me do. We believe in one God who has revealed himself to us in three different ways, as Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is so big, so beyond our understanding that he has used these three persons of the Trinity to help us understand him a bit more and experience him some more. But the three are so close, so intertwined, so in unity that they are one and that they are indivisible. When God does things, he, what we see is a reflection of who he is. He doesn't do things that are outside of who he is. And so when we see God at work, we see a reflection of the unity of the Trinity. And the aim is always relationship. So when God created the world, his aim was relationship with mankind. When Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, his aim was restored relationship between God and mankind. If you look at the first uh, chapter of John's gospel, John's account of Jesus' life, you find that Jesus drew people into relationship with him first, and then in chapter 2, he did his first miracle. So relationship came first. When Jesus chose his top team, 12 guys, often called the disciples or apostles, we're told they were first called to be with Jesus, and then they were sent out to spread the good news and to do miracles. But it was relationship that came first. When the early church was founded, the first thing that happened was a period of relationship, meeting together and meeting with God. They would worship, they would pray, they would probably study scriptures together, and then the power of the Holy Spirit was released. But it was relationship that came first. So I hope you see that picture. When Mandy and I first approached John and Ellie Mumford saying that God had called us, we felt, to plant a vineyard church. They were overseeing vineyard churches in the UK. 
they said, come and get to know us and we'll see what we think God is saying. And that surprised me because I was so used to the event being the main thing and they were saying, no, relationship is the main thing. And it's as we get to know each other that we recognize God's calling, God's gifting on each other. And we're able to encourage each other and in some cases say, actually, I don't think that's, that's not your sweet spot. I think, uh, why don't you try this over here? I think you, you may thrive there instead. John Wimber, who was the founder of the Vineyard Movement, said that everything we do is based on relationship. And the reason he said that is because we think that really is what the Bible teaches. That love and unity are more important than truth and ministry. It's not that truth isn't important, it is vitally important. It's not that ministry isn't important, it is also vitally important. But love and unity are more important than truth and ministry. If you want to check that, uh, read the first few verses of 1 Corinthians 13. The church in Ephesus was an amazing church. It was a large, thriving church. It had fantastic teaching. But when God sent a message to them in the book of Revelation, they were told that they were in danger of their church being shut down because they had lost their first love. Great teaching is not enough. Great worship is not enough. You have to have that first love. You have to have that basis of relationship there. When Jesus came, he didn't start a theological college. He didn't set up an organization. He called people into relationship. Now, when there are just two of us or maybe a handful of us in relationship together, you really don't need much structure, do you? You can arrange to meet together as and when you would like to, and uh, everything can be very fluid. But the more people who come into that relationship the more structure there needs to be because structure is there to support life. And the more life there is, the more structure there needs to be. I don't know if you've ever had a bad back. Uh, if you have, you know that it can be absolute agony. But also, it stops you from functioning properly because the structure has gone wrong and it affects the whole of your body. And that's what bad structure does to us. It's painful and it's unhelpful. And that's true in a church setting if the structure is not flexible and healthy. Conversely, I'm told that if the human body had no skeleton, it couldn't grow to more than about seven centimeters off the ground. We need structure to support life, but that structure needs to be strong and flexible. John 13, verse 34, Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. I think that was the new bit, wasn't it? Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The thing that will convince people, and one of the main things that is meant to be different about us as followers of Jesus, is the way we do relationships and the way we care deeply and sacrificially for each other. And Jesus is saying here, it's not through our teaching, our worship, our outreach ministries, or anything else, although those things are very important. It's the way we love each other. It's the way we serve each other, the way we prefer each other, the way we go out of our way to take the initiative to build strong and healthy relationships 
that will speak louder than anything else that we do. In any situation we find ourselves, the question should always be, Father, what are you doing here? And what do you want me to know? Some of you may recognize that from the Emmanuel prayer model that we use. But that's, that simple question opens up all sorts of possibilities and amazing resources from heaven for us. It will change our relationships, our families, our businesses, our church, and eventually it will change our society as well. It will also mean that we keep in sync with the Holy Spirit, which will, going back to the first verse, lift huge burdens off us and enable us to have the rest that eludes our restless world. There are times when we wrestle with God in order to find his answer, but we look for peace in the answer, and that's usually a good sign that we've got the right answer. God is calling us to a new level of relationship, uh, both within the church and possibly with Hope Vineyard as well. Now, as someone who is a very private person, and uh, on the Myers-Briggs scale, I'm a strong I, I'm almost certainly not the best person to model this, and uh, I will definitely play my part, but we are all called to do this. I think you'll find that these are some things that God is doing, not just for our church, but in other churches and doing globally as well. Uh, this, I think, is something that God is saying to, to the church. So I just want to encourage you that each one of us has our part to play. Whether you're here for the first time today and decide to join us, or whether, like Mandy and me, you've been here for nearly 27 years, uh, we all have an equally important part to play. And just as our body only functions properly when every part plays its part, that's true for us as a church as well. So the changes that are coming up are designed so that people are not overloaded. In fact, if we were the numbers we are today and we had grown from nothing, uh, an early church plant to the numbers today, we wouldn't even be thinking of doing a Sunday morning meeting yet. Uh, we would want at least 80, maybe 100 adults before we started doing Sunday mornings because it takes a lot of people. Um, so anyway, we've got what we've got and we're going to do what we're going to do. And uh, we really hope that you'll come and be part of us with this. I think that uh, God has some lovely surprises for us along the way. And I think that these, uh, these communities will be something that will be very, very special for us. And uh, so I'd encourage you to get involved with them. And, uh, and if God's speaking to you about doing leading, being part of a team on a community, or perhaps one of the new connection groups that will be starting in January then please let me know. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. So let's stand together.